It is the Cybermen. I believe they have deliberately infected the base. My men have searched every square inch of the base. There's no space to hide a cat, let alone a Cyberman. Anyhow, how did they get in? What is it? You say you searched all the base? Yes. What of it? Every nook and cranny? Yes. No chance of anyone hiding anywhere? None whatever. Did your men search in here? Welcome to Two Guys Podcast. We don't have a girl today. We're doing, that means we're doing classic Doctor Who. I am Ken. Jeff. Um, you know, every time we do classic Doctor Who, our uh, girl um, has decided to uh, not do any more classic Doctor Who, and that's fine. That was a struggle for her to get through them, and, and it was a struggle for me to get through some of these. No, um... So we're going to be talking about today about the uh, a Patrick Troughton episode called The Moon Base. But before we get into that, we could talk a little bit about what we've been experiencing and what we're looking forward to coming up or whatever. A little bit of news, maybe. I don't think there's much in Doctor Who news except for um, little hearings there, here and there of who's going to be in the specials and who's going to appear, you know cameos and stuff like that that's all i've been hearing i haven't really ripped delved too much into the material no isn't it like now october her final episode is supposed to air yeah i don't know i lose track it's not like it's like there's more about the 60th anniversary than there is about yeah i think there's Jody's act- final which is too bad there's some there's someone I don't know if it's the uh, Rose character that's supposed to appear throughout the specials or something. and I, I don't know. It's kind of like I haven't really done any research on it. so um, I, I heard that not... Shooty is in it too. But yeah. all I've seen is David Tennant photos. Yeah. So maybe Shooty's like in studio or something. Yeah. Which would make sense why we haven't seen him and they're keeping that under wraps. Yeah, and um, I don't know what to expect. For, oh, what I did read about Jodie Whittaker's special was that they finished filming it, and they finished putting it together, and the BBC looked at it and said it was a mess, and they want to re-edit it. it. That's not that's, good. Well, that's not good at all. So, But then I'm... What is it? What do you mean, BBC? That it's a mess? Is it possible that it was pretty good, and you just want to screw it up more? You know, I, I just don't have any confidence anymore in somebody's messing it up. And yeah, it could very well be Chibnall, but it also could be the BBC. And that's true with anything. Anything that comes out, you have some of these good writers and I don't know if these are any good writers because I've never heard of these people and Chris Chibnall we know hasn't been necessarily stellar in his writing but here they are creating this product and by the time we get to it and that's even happened during Moffat and Russell T. Davis's era you know I, I would argue that there would be an episode from Russell T. Davis that was written by a really good writer but there's something off on it and did Russell T. Davis change it, or did someone else change it, or did the BBC go in and go, wait a minute, you got to tone this down and do this and that? It's like, you know, hopefully they don't interfere, but, you know, I don't know. So anyhow, BBC says it was a mess. 
and um, they have time to edit it and clean it up and everything. But boy, yeah, that's not that's not a good sign. I've also been going into the Doctor Who. And they on Facebook, if you stop on a something, all of a sudden you get a lot of posts from that. And I stopped on a um, Doctor Who, like a like a generic Doctor Who Facebook page, which I don't belong to any of those on Facebook. And they'll have pictures from the classic Doctor Who or whatever. But they they mostly have pictures from the new stuff. And they had a you know picture from that t- tooth guy from Jodie Wecker's first episode there, the tooth alien or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what was his name? And, so, I, I, couldn't even, I don't even remember his Tim name. Shaw, Tim Shaw. Oh, Tim Shaw. Whatever. And, and I go into the comments, and it was like, yep, that's the beginning of the end. What a horrible <laughs> villain. Blah, blah, blah. It's all negative. And then once in a while, I get someone that goes, ooh. But it's like, I don't think I've ever in, in the history of Doctor Who have had... And that's just, that's not a... a that's just a generic Doctor Who. It's it's not like it's, you know, we hate Chris Chibnall Doctor Who page. It's a just general Doctor Who page, and it's just a lot of people ripping into it. And if some people think that they are in the, that people who don't like it recently are in the minority, I don't think so. I think that's the first time ever that we've had more people not like it and like it maybe I know for a fact that Star Wars has a huge yeah. people amount of people that don't like it recently and I don't know that, I mean, why some of the stuff that Dave Filoni's been doing has been really good well the series I'm talking about the movies for example and I think those are still in the minority but it's a it's might be a larger minority than, than usual but um, but anyways it, it's it's not a good time for Doctor Who fans. And I know there's people who, who who are like, oh, no, what are you talking about? I thought it was a fantastic episode. And, yeah, okay. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So once Russell T. Davis comes back, hopefully people will like it again except for me, and then I will be in the minority and everyone else will be on board with it. That'll be Maybe that's better than having it this way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, what have you been watching or doing or whatever recently? I finished watching Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, and I thought, you know, I don't like when Star Trek does time travel. Yeah, because it's it's usually kind of not they don't do it that great, and episodes aren't that good. But this one was different. It was like a what if. Yeah. The last yeah. episode was a what if, and I'm sitting here going, I, I immediately knew the episode that they were doing immediately that they showed up. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yep, I know this one. And and now that we know why they had Kirk in that, that promo still. Yeah. And it was just like, wow, that is a different take on that episode. I don't want to kind of spoil it in case no one has seen it, but. Yeah, I, I agree. At first, I thought I was like, "Oh no!" But going through the episode, comparing it to what they did in the movie with um, Khan, for example, I thought that whole movie with Into Darkness or whatever was bad. 
because they it was a retelling of that tale, but it was twisted a little bit because they kind of changed things around a little bit. This is similar to that because it was kind of like here was a retelling of the of the story from the classic series, but this time a couple things are different, and um, it's interesting because the political environment right now for TV and movie is we go out and we say I'm not, maybe I shouldn't say anymore but um, the decision that Pike made in the episode wasn't the right decision but it was it, it was the decision that I think everyone would go yeah that's that's how you do it Kirk is wrong but it ended up being worse it was a bad decision and that's unlike the lesson was like use violence <laughs> instead of peace sometimes it's better to use violence but yeah but, uh, oh what the heck i mean it's been out for a while so i might yeah. just say what the episode is balance of terror mm-hmm. the romulan one i mean kirk yeah kirk chases in the original one he chases it and blows it up and yeah. they find out that okay the humans aren't weak federation's not weak you know we got to be careful but you know, Pike did the right thing. Let's try to talk it out and end up escalating an award. Future Pike says it's still going on and Spock is dead or in that wheelchair, the Pike chair or whatever, instead of Pike. And, yeah, it's like... Yeah, so that was kind of a neat ending to that. I thought the whole series was really good. I, I, oh, I, I, like... I, I loved it. It was more like original Trek and Next Gen than anything that they've given us. I mean, I, the last time I felt this good about a Star Trek series, I, I did have, I did think Voyager had some moments early on in its season, and Enterprise also had moments early on in, in its run, and, and Deep Space Nine. So it's right back with those, that level, and uh, it wants. I want to go back and watch the classic series again of Star Trek, and. Um, because of this is going on or whatever, I'm almost tempted to try to see if I can get my wife to watch it because I think it's, you know, worth it. I think it's a good show, and um, my wife and I just started watching Farscape. Uh, it's a show that I've watched before and I've liked, and we're trying to pick something out to watch. So I said, give this a try and see if you like it. It has a lot of comedy in it, which she likes. So I think she's getting into it. We're only about seven or eight episodes in, maybe, and. I can't tell if she's into it or not, but she's laughed a couple of times. So, well, the original, that, all the treks are on the Paramount Plus, yeah, so yeah. Well, you, easy to, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So let's um, let's. I got some other stuff, but we can always put those on the other recording. Yeah, we still got two others to do. <laughs> so let's talk about Doctor Who. Um, the Moonbase is a Patrick Troughton episode. It's an episode, it's a story that's missing two episodes. One and three. One and three. And I had seen episodes two and four a, a while back when it was released, and, or maybe even earlier than that when I had bootleg or something. And I it was really on the... Uh... The two episodes were on the VHS, the Patrick Troutman years. Yeah. Way, yeah. way back when. And I think I had a bootleg of it even, a very poor copy, but I was intrigued by it. I really liked 
the sneakiness and the and the mystery of the Cybermen. And uh, they animated episode one and three, and this was released a while ago. But the animation is better than a lot of the animation recently. So. Yes. It's, yeah, it was. I was like, I was like, well, why why couldn't they just done like this style to some of them? And I'm just like, look at them, I'm like, geez, like, this well, wasn't that bad. I mean, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but there's a scene where, and it's kind of silly, where they're in the the infirmary, the infirmary, and they're like, "There's a Cyberman in here, I think." And we look over, and there's an obvious giant bulk thing of, of below the covers. Oh, there's just a, well, there's boots sticking out. Yeah, and and it's as stupid as the 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 Cyberman wearing parkas in Tenth Planet, where it's like no one notices that, and they take that, you know. So, anyways, the Cyberman comes off the. Uh, this is live action now because it's episode two. The Cyberman right. comes off the the table, and the table rocks because because he just gets off, and it kind of almost tips over. And they recreated that in the animation too. They, yeah, when they did the that. animation when they gets up, the table actually tips, and I'm like, that's good detail. The the animation company for that, whatever whoever did it, did a pretty good job with this. Of recreating what it looked like, and you know, I was very happy with it. This is one of the better ones for that. I, I love this one because, like what you said earlier, the Cybermen sneaking around. They're sneaking around and they're quiet, and you yep. don't know where he's going to turn up. Now, if you flash back to Russell T. Davis, the mm-hmm. New Era, Moffat, this Cyberman be sneaking around the moon base, going, yeah. And I'm like, how's that scary? Because you can hear the thing coming a mile away. This thing is like you can't hear it walking around because it's like around like a human sneaking around. Yeah. And it's not making the chunk, chunk, chunk noises. I mean, that's why it was so brilliant because it's hiding in the uh, storage area where all the food and supplies are. It's got the hole that goes out. And it's like you don't know where the Cyberman is creeping around. Yeah, and I think Russell T. Davis, defend Russell T. Davis, um, he kind of took more from the Earthshock Cybermen, which did kind of march. They yeah, but they didn't make sneaky. noises. Well, no. I mean, the noises obviously are, are kind of... I know what Russell T. Davis was trying to go for. He was going for that, you know, army marching mar- mentality. And when I remember watching that for the first time and hearing that, I was like, that's kind of stupid. But, you know... Anyways, compared to this, that was stupid. But um, yeah, this is um, one of the reasons why I like the Cybermen. I did like the Cybermen before watching this episode because I thought Revenge was halfway decent, and I did like Urshock so much that I liked the Cybermen. But um, this and Tenth Planet, and what I've seen of um, Wheel in Space, really emphasized. And especially when Tomb of the Cybermen came out, I really, really, that's my favorite Doctor Who villain or monster. But, you know, they have some issues. Anyways, we'll get to it in a minute. Um, I thought the design of this whole episode was fantastic. The spacesuits are spacesuity, 60s spacesuit type thing, yeah. kind of funny looking. But I, I liked it. I liked what they look like. I really like that retro look. Um, everything that they filmed on the moon surface was fantastic. They're doing it in slow motion. They're Later on, they're woo, jumping up in the air or whatever. Oh, we're on the moon. They're doing the woo. Yeah, and I thought that was fantastic. That The Cybermen marching on the moon 
That was pretty neat. It was good. Um, a model you know, of a spaceship's landing? Eh, well, that was a weakness. When they did march, the whole... They must have had a cloth on the surface of the studio and they put moon dust on top of it. The whole surface kind of shuffled and moved when they marched, when they that did a close-up. It kind of didn't look right, but it still was fine. I, yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 for 1966, <laughs> that's not bad. Or 67, whenever it came out. Yeah. And I love the music in 67. this one. Yes. They used a, some sort of classical... It's not music that they created for Doctor Who. It was They took it from somewhere, can, like a canned music type thing. But they've used this music before. and um, I forget which. It was in another episode that survives. I can't remember which one it is. But I might say it could be Web of Fear. They could have used it. But um, I know they... they um, you're right. They've used it several times. and They might have used it in Wheel of Space, too. I have a soundtrack somewhere that has all the Simon music from this era, and, and that's one of the songs that I really like on it. Um, the action. Even, even the, the, the regular moody music and the, um, the build-up action music is really, really good. So anyways, the reason they're on the moon is because there's a Gravitron device that's on the moon, that controls the weather. And it and, knocked the TARDIS off track. And the people are given a virus. Um, so this is... The, the Cybermen are sneaky. They're, they're infiltrating the base by giving people the virus and they're taking over a, one or two people at a time to try to um, get a hold of the Gravitron. They want the Gravitron... Um, to take take it over. So that's the whole story. So whether it's there's a couple of weak spots to this. Uh, the weakest meaning that they decide to um, infect the sugar. Well, that's not that bad because if you're drinking, and it's only the people in the, who have it in their coffee. Well, why didn't they just infect something that everyone was going to drink, like the water or something? I don't, I don't know. So that's yeah, true. I guess. Yeah. Well, whatever. But. Okay, so again, the doctor, Doctor Who, at this time, this 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 was was more simple. Yes. Infected the sugar. How do we? Okay, and and the doctor tries to figure out what what is what is the causing everyone to get sick. Yeah, and I love the scene where he's going around. I I, I keep saying that I don't like comedy in Doctor Who, but. Every time I watch these episodes, the classic, I go, look, this is really good comedy. I don't like the comedy in the new show sometimes, but when he's going around and he's the people are working and he's going... And he's, he's taking stuff the off their shoes yeah. and stuff. Yeah. He was always good at that, Patrick Troughton. And, and the, the, the Troughton, Bert Roy was good for his little comedy thing. Tom Baker in the beginning, before Graham Williams lost control. And Tom just went out of control and did what he wanted. They had elements of, you know, subtle comedy that you just chuckle and say, oh, that wasn't bad. So what I mean by simple is sometimes they would actually go as, as far as teaching the kids stuff. And there's an element of that in there which I thought was a little awkward. At one point, I don't remember who it was, but they actually explain how a spray bottle works. 
Remember that? They go, they take the bottle and they're going, we're going to use this to spray the, the Cybermen with this solvent. And yeah, use acetone and all that stuff. Acid, and, and they say, what's going to happen is the air gets into the thing and it's like, wait a minute, why are you explaining to Polly or whoever how a spray bottle works? And it's, you know, what do they do? They, it feels like it's a teaching point for kids. And they used to do that in Hartnell a lot, where they would have stuff and they would say, this is how a magnet works or whatever. So I thought that was, you know, I thought we had gotten past that by the time we had gotten the Troughton, but that was a little um, a little weird. And when you mentioned solvent, I always have been very critical about the way Cybermen have been dispatched. You know, gold is something that gets rid of them, and then all of a sudden it's like, all you got to do is shoot them with a gold arrow, and they go down. And, yeah, I don't like the gold thing. And that, that, that just, especially but, in Silver Nemesis, that was. And dumb. I, yeah, and I said in the past it was a lot harder to kill the Cybermen, and then, nope, I guess you use a little bit of nail polish, and they die, or or well, they, they get all. Well, they mix a whole bunch of stuff up, and it just like corroded corroded the breathing apparatus. Yeah, I thought. That was a little weak, but um, and I forgot about that. I'm like, oh boy, but it's fine. I mean, the rest of the story is really, really solid, so I'm, I'll let that pass. But yeah, there's also I felt sorry for Polly because at one point they're 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 discussing stuff, and they said, "Polly, go make us some coffee," and she's like, "Okay," and now she went, and I was like, "Wow, that wouldn't fly today." But. Yeah, and there's another scene later on where they say this is not this is man's work, men's work, or something like that. Yeah, Ben says that this is yeah. men's work, and I'm just chuckling and like, oh boy, have times have changed because nowadays if you said that, oh, they all people would be in an uproar. But it was 1967; and it was different back then. So, well, um, Anneke Wills had been approached a few times criticizing that moment because they use that scene a lot to show how the show has aged with, with go make coffee or whatever. And she defends that scene saying, well, wait a minute now, who was the one who came up with the solution to, um, to stop the sermon? It was, it was Polly. So, yep. you know, so she, she, she says she doesn't mind that scene or whatever, but you know, obviously, yeah, that's, you know, that's what the way it was back then. And, and unfortunately that's, something that a lot of people focus their attention on for the, for the old show and they think it's, you know, but, oh, well, that's just the way it was. It yeah, that's the way it was in the 60s. You just got to just watch it. And, I mean, it's like if you watch one of those old old black and white movies on Turner Classic, you got to remember it was a different era. Yeah. It, you just can't get triggered because something happens and it's just like, hey, that's the way it was. Who cares? Just watch the movie for the enjoyment. Um. Speaking of humor, there was a scene where um, the, the the leader of the base asks the doctor later on, "Well, have you discovered anything yet, doctor?" And the doctor goes, um, "No, absolutely nothing." And the guy goes, "Just what I thought." And then you hear in the background Patrick Fountain's doctor go, oh, "Thank you," <laughs> really kind of kind of like uh, sarcastically saying thank you. But um, um, let's see here. So, I guess there was a story, and I'll, I'll, as usual, I'll focus on, on myself for a second. I saw Patrick Troughton at a convention in New Hampshire, um, and he was talking about this episode, and he talked about the Gravitron prop actually almost fell on him. 
And as he was explaining it, he, he was really a funny guy in real life, too. Patrick Trotton was talking, and we were laughing at everything he was saying. Then he, then he mentioned this scene where it, fell, it almost fell down on him. And I remember myself, my brother, and my brother's friend laughing. And we were the only ones in the audience laughing because it was not <laughs> funny because he almost got hurt by it. But we thought it was funny because it's like, oh, wait, he's telling a serious story. We probably shouldn't laugh. But... Uh, and I guess they redesigned it a little bit. Um, and I don't remember s noticing this too much, but I guess the set looks a little bit different toward the end of this of the episode because... Uh, because I never noticed. Yeah, it's a little smaller or something. Well, maybe because it's you have an animated episode in between. Yeah, that's why you don't notice it, I think. it's. Um, John Levine was played one of the Thundermen in this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Guy ended up playing Sergeant Ben. He played in the early days. He was a Yeti. He's played Cybermen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love the goggles in the sun spacesuit costume. Those are kind of cool looking. Yeah. Very 60s type. Um, when they okay, so the voices of the Cybermen I like. I, I, I you know, obviously not later on they be, but they they're very they're the mechanical ones that they use the same thing that if someone had a one of those throat things, you don't talk, you just mouth the words and they come out. And they use the same process. Jerry Anderson used the same process in Firebox of Five for the voice of Robert the robot. So at times I was like, it sounds like Robert. Yeah. But this, they use this, this Cyberman voice in the, this episode. And Tomb. Tomb and um, I think um, uh, Wheel in Space, and that was it. Yeah, Invasion was a little bit different. Yeah, I think so. And um, Well, we know they definitely didn't use this type of voice in Revenge of the Cybermen because oh, that's the worst Cyberman voice ever. But they, they when they talked, they they had a at the end of their sentences, they always like fourteen minutes left. Uh, like it always was like a uh at the end or whatever, which is weird because a lot of kids talk like that. Don't my daughter sometimes talks and they go, "What do you do?" Yeah, I I, I can't I can't recreate it because it sounds horrible. But I just noticed I was noticing that a little bit. You know, it was kind of like kind of silly. Um, yeah, they did do that a lot. At one well, point. I, I, at one point, an infected guy walks around and no one notices him. It's kind of silly. And then he puts uh, that hat on and he puts it on backwards, which I thought was kind of funny. It's a blooper in case anyone wants to. He, just, he, just, he looks at it even, too. He looks at it for a second and then he just puts it on backwards. It almost looks like he did it on purpose, you know. Um, and then he's in the, using the magnet uh, the yeah, and he, they, how's this happening? And he turns around and just happens to look at them. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like surprise! I'm in here. Um, I thought the fourth oh. episode was really good. The the okay, go ahead. No, no, you're fine. I was gonna say the that Fraser Hines wasn't originally written to be in this. They, yeah, that's why he was sick for like three, two or three episodes. Mm -hmm. The Phantom Piper. <laughs> good attention to detail they had the, a one point they were trying to use a, a gun well the Cybermen were trying to use their guns on the moon surface and they don't work or something and um, 
I mean, maybe the sidemen should be a little more prepared and known that that was going to be the case, and also should have known that if they were going to go up against the Gravitron, that they probably it could potentially be used against them, which it ended up being um, toward the end. Um, I like how that happened. It wasn't just like let's point the Gravitron at them. There, they're done. They had to actually manually try to push the device down to aim that low. So the writers, Kip Peddler and Jerry Davis. Are very intelligent people. They're they're like, uh, are, um, Kit, Kit Peddler is a scientist, and he came up with the idea of the Cybermen, and he's very intelligent. And Jerry Davis taught classes um, in California for a while. I actually wrote to him to see. I never got a response, but um, so that they're they're intelligent writers, and, and so even though there's some silly stuff in this, there's 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 an intelligence behind it, and that's. Um, lacking, especially this last three seasons. <laughs> I gotta just throw that in. There. Yeah. Well, it, they thought of everything in this one, and like, this is what happens. This, this is what happens. That, but then you look at, like you said, the new series, or at least the last three seasons. It's like, uh, why are we doing this? Why is doing that? It just is. I guess the original title for this episode was "The Return of the Sermon," but I guess they wanted to keep the sermon a little bit of a surprise. Um, uh, author, there's a Doctor Who writer called Victor Pemberton. Yes. And he's actually in this episode. He's one of the scientists in the background. I couldn't necessarily pick out who it was, um, but he wrote um, for some Doctor Who episodes. Oh, uh, Fear from the Deep. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I don't think I ever would have picked up on this, but I read it somewhere, and I'm like, oh, yeah. We, this is the only episode that we actually hear the doctor's thoughts. At one point, he, you can hear the Patrick Troughton talking, and he, you know, he goes, oh, I wonder what this, you know, he's kind of asking himself a question, and he actually replies to it, which was, you know, vocally, which is kind of weird. It got into his mind for a second. Um, so the other thing which I didn't, I had forgotten about, this is the last time we see the original open title sequence. Um, that was from Hartnell's era. And then his face would come in. I guess the faceless ones is after this one? Or no, Macrotera. No, Macrotera. So, I don't know, whatever. That's what it says here. I don't know if it's true or not. So the Moonbase was the last one to have the original... But I thought the faceless ones was the first one to have his face in it, but maybe I'm, I'm mistaken. I don't know. Uh, that's all I have on the notes. I thought it, you know, looking at looking at get at it again, I I thought it was a little back and forth to start with. They they took Jamie because you said Fraser Hines wasn't originally planned for this. They they didn't have a lot for him to do in the first episode, so he was kind of delirious and. You know, um, so he was kind of absent for a couple of episodes, and when he came back, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, he's in it. And we're back to that three-companion issue <clears throat> that even existed back in Hartnell and Troughton, and um, a little bit harder to... F ben didn't have a whole lot to do, and, you know... It was a very claustrophobic scene. It was a base under siege thing, just like yeah. 10th Planet a little bit. And uh, so it has all the... It worked really well, I think. I think this is... 
Yeah, I really enjoy watching it. Yeah, but... this is a really good episode. The last episode is so good that I think it kind of makes up for any slowness of the first couple episodes. But I love the design of Sardman and um, the moon stuff looks fantastic. I've always watched, looked at pictures in the magazines before I saw this episode, and I'm like, oh, wow, this looked really good. Yeah, the, the famous one is the Sardman on the moon putting that big gun together. And I have a, uh, I have a picture of that somewhere. I don't think I have a framed or anything. But so, um, yeah, um, this was definitely a good classic episode. I, 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 you know, I remember watching it for the first time, being very excited um, to see it and everything, and uh, definitely a highlight. I don't think it's the best Sardman episode for Patrick Troughton <clears throat> because I think. Um, Tomb of the Sidemen is better. I think Will of the Space is probably not as good. But Invasion's probably the second best one. That's true. I keep forgetting about that one. That's a really good one, too. Um, okay. Anything more about this one? Nope. Okay. Thanks for listening. <laughs>